Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and ESPN2. Former NFL wide receiver and ESPN football analyst Harry Douglas is in for Keyshawn today. We are presented by Progressive Insurance, and we're coming to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. So, LeBron James said the door is not closed on a potential return to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And that his last season in the league will be, and this is a quote, played with my son. What? In an interview with The Athletic ahead of Sunday's All-Star game, he said this. Now here's LeBron after the game talking about what the return to Cleveland for the All-Star game meant to him. Listen, man, the joy of just being home, I literally stayed back home in Akron all, all weekend while I was here, seeing my guys, even though I see them, you know, when I come back home in the summer, we always link up, but it's just something special. We've never spent the All-Star weekend, all of us together. Every last one of them was here. You know, Sheehan, Willie, Drew, Frankie, Brandon, and Sheehan, we were all here together, like for the first time. And then, you know, having my mom in the building and having my wife and my kids here, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's just, uh, it's a, I mean, how much more can a man ask for, really? Jay, how surprised were you to see him, uh, or would you be? How surprised were you to hear him talk like that? How surprised would you be to see him leave L.A. at the end of his career? LeBron James just said the market is open. Hmm. (laughs) The market is open. Let the trades begin. Because what he just did for his younger son, Bronny, and I've seen Bronny play. I've talked to scouts about Bronny, a lot of them potentially, if he were to try to come out in the 2024 draft, if he was there, uh, would probably be late second-round pick. But you're legitimately asking yourself, after understanding what just happened in Cleveland this weekend, report came out that Cleveland, the economy economy of Cleveland, due to the NBA All-Star game being there, stimulated $100 million for the economy. One One weekend. weekend. $100 million for the local economy. So now factor that note in to Bronny James could potentially be taken as a lottery pick. Where would he go without LeBron as his dad and the promise of He LeBron may not get drafted. It. But end of the second round, maybe? I don't know. I mean, he wouldn't come out of high school being drafted. Obviously, yeah. he had to play one year. But, I mean, if he were to have an incredible year in college. But I'm not – I don't know if people see – I don't think people see LeBron James Jr. that way. Bronny James Jr. that way. Like, late second round. Mm-hmm. I got to – if he were to try to come out after one year in college, maybe G League? If you were a pick, if you had a pick in the top 15 and you knew or thought LeBron James could come with Bronny James Jr., I'm drafting it because I know what that can do for my economy and also for my team and my franchise. You will be talking about me every single day on TV. It will be the last hurrah for LeBron James. And I, Bronny, great. Now I get a chance. And, and think about the genius even from LeBron James and his team side. The, the Maverick Carters of the world, uninterrupted, the Spring Hill Entertainment. Think about what all that content is worth. You know, I remember, You're talking about a $500 million-plus uh, idea, just documenting all that. I remember in baseball, Ken Griffey Sr. was an all-star. He won an all-star every year. He probably made about five all- three, four, five all-star teams in his career, Big Red Machine and later on with the Yankees and the Braves, and wound up in Seattle playing with his son. Ken Griffey Jr. is one of the greatest players of all time. We've seen it work that way. But not, I don't think, the other way, where the father is one of the greatest players of all time 
and his son is not that, but like but just even watching them play together, you're right, Jay. It's on every show, every day, every time LeBron and his son are on the court together. And I don't think it's ever been done in the NBA, right? Father, son playing on the same team. Not that I can think of. So, legacy. Let's talk about that word for a minute. Legacy. And when it comes to LeBron, it's going to always be family over everything. And he's just going to be passing that torch to his son, Bronny, right? So, when you think about legacy, and you're the first father-son duo to ever do it in the NBA, that's another thing LeBron can add to his resume. It's always, right? for some, it's always for some reason the son not quite tall enough to be as good as the dad. Like, I think of Luke Walton and Bill. Luke Walton's like 6'9". If only he was 7 feet, right? Same thing with uh, Sabonis. Sabonis is a good player, but if he was as tall as his dad, it would be a little different. And all those stories seem like they would be incredible, right? But you're not talking about one or two of the greatest players to ever live in the game of basketball. Like, that's what you're talking about with LeBron. It's as if... Michael Jordan and his son Marcus were like, hey, we're going to play on the same team in my last hurrah. Like, think about what kind of a circus that would have been. But the other thing about LeBron is his skills have aged so well. Jordan, I was there in D.C. hosting around the horn his last year on the Wizards. He averaged 20 points a game. That wasn't Michael Jordan anymore. It was just a guy who could score 20 points a game. LeBron is still LeBron James. Like, he's his his... The preservation of his skills has been remarkable in the way he's evolved. He's a better shooter now, like, and he's kept such good care of himself. He's not just 37, but all the miles on his legs because he came right out of high school, and he's still – so his last year in Cleveland, he might still be an upper echelon all-star if Max, he were to go. I want to praise him as a father because as a father right now, mm. he's doing everything he can to make sure his son is set up for success. And for everybody out there hating on it, keep hating. I applaud the hell out of it. You know why? I see this type of stuff every day in business, all day. Mm. Billionaires who own major companies. Like, you know what? My son's going to run the company. (laughs) The Dolans, by the way. You want to know why the Knicks haven't been good in a million years? It happens every (laughs) single day. And by the way, like, that's how you have legacy. You're exactly right, Eric. And I'm going to take it to Jay-Z. He has a song called Legacy, right? And in the song, he basically says, my parents ain't have nothing. So that started with me. Started with LeBron. Now he's going to diversify it to everybody else in his family, his kids. Jay-Z's like the LeBron James of hip-hop. He's been around so long. Yeah. Jay, any, any topic you have in the world, Jay-Z, Jay-Z got a lyric. Jay-Z's got a song. <laughs> he's got something for everything. This, this puts yeah. a lot of pressure already on some pressure that's coming on Rob Palenka. I mean, first off, I, who knows if Rob Palenka will be there. LeBron James' contract expires 2023, right? He could sign that two-year extension or a one-year deal that gets him to 2024 for Bronny to come into the league. Mm. But, there, I mean, there have been multiple little jabs taken here at Rob Palenka. If it was what I talked about the other day on the show with the less neat shirt after they won a Super Bowl that said blank them picks, and then LeBron James quote-tweeting that, a picture of Les Snead with his own face on the shirt saying that, saying legend, my type of guy. Okay, Rob Palenka, what are you doing? You didn't make a pick before the trade deadline? Or if it's him acknowledging Sam Presti this weekend by saying, man, Sam Presti's really, he's really the MVP. Look at all the picks he got. KD, Russ, Jeff Green, Reggie Jackson. Oh, the guy threw Jeff Green in there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, how many, it's like the Verizon commercial. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I mean, he is jabbing Rob Palenka publicly. And LeBron James is always saying things with with strategy. Like, he never just says things haphazardly. Let me ask you something. This is just my own theory, and I noticed it playing out when Palinka got the job. It always seemed to me, just to me, that three Lakers legends, two of them were already Lakers legends, one of them was hoping to become one at the time, 
LeBron was the one hoping to become one. Magic and Kobe were the others. I always felt like we're sort of vying for eventual ownership of the Lakers. And Magic, you know, he fronted a group that bought the Dodgers, right? Like, why not? Front a group that buys the Lakers too, right? And that obviously That's why Magic got himself out of that right. scenario. It was, was like, I, I can't. It would obviously be yes. super important to own that team, right? And Magic and Genie are tight, all that stuff. And then Kobe, that then LeBron shows up with clutch, and you're and the feeling is okay, LeBron got this. But then Kobe, in the midst of all that, his dude is inserted as GM. When LeBron gets to LA, you insert Kobe's dude as GM. That told me, oh, wait a minute. As usual, Kobe might win this whole thing. And why I really did believe, I had the feeling eventually Kobe Bryant would own the Lakers. Obvious for obvious reasons, that can never happen, sadly. Um, you think, Jay, any of that sounds right? And LeBron has designs on either buying the Lakers eventually or some other team, perhaps the Cleveland Cavaliers, if he's now talking Cleveland? Oh, I, I mean, you could tell Le- LeBron's always been on his business tip. I mean, that's all him, Mav, Carter, and Rich Paul talk about. I mean, that's, that's where it is, and that's what they should talk about, right? They have a chance for team takeover. So, you know, is that a scenario in Cleveland with Dan Gilbert? I don't know. That relationship has been patched to a degree after LeBron came back and won a championship. Um, but it would explain him going at Palenka, though. You know, yeah. that's, the, that's, not, that's not his – that's not a dude from his crew. No, it is not. That's a dude from someone else. See, that's why I think Palenka right now, those shots being taken by LeBron towards him has him in a situation where there's a possibility he might not be there because if he's rubbing LeBron the wrong way and not doing things uh, for the greater good for the Lakers organization – and LeBron's going to continue to throw those jabs, they have to look at, okay, should we keep him here? If we want to keep LeBron James here. And and, and this is why I think it's so incredibly hard to be in this position. When LeBron was in Miami, he couldn't do things like this to Pat Riley, man. Pat Riley is the godfather of hoops. You talk about power. Like, between him and Mickey Arison, how tight they are, there was no creating separation in that relationship. Not saying that LeBron would try. But here, it's a little bit more fractured. And people would say, well, it's Rob Palenka's job to say, no, LeBron, we're not going to go for the <laughs> okay. Russell Westbrook trade. Yeah. Like We're going to yeah. go for the Buddy Hill trade, which retrospectively, as a Monday morning quarterback, it is Monday, no pun intended, I'm just saying like that would have been the right move to At make. At the time, a lot that of people thought that. That was the right move that. to make yeah. Buddy Hill fits in exponentially better with his skill set and the way AD and Bron plays, but Bron got his way. Right, so now people are saying, so it almost feels like, regardless, Rob Palenka, like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You're in a position of losing. LeBron had the most success he ever had in Miami, where it was a strong organization, top down, um, and he never had quite that level of success on a team since then. Let's it was be like honest. LeBron He's had a lot of success. So you mean strong? You mean structured? From yes. The where that was like LeBron leaving, literally getting drafted at Cleveland was like getting drafted to a high school team. Right. Then LeBron going to Miami is like LeBron going to college. Like, oh, this is how you win. Yep. No doubt about it. When, or rather, why Zion Williamson's time in New Orleans could be coming to an end. Keyshawn, J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app and ESPN2. Keyshawn, J. Will and Max, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Five down flex. Five down flex. Jay's got five fingers up. That only means one thing. It's time to run the point. All right, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. It is time for Jay to do that thing that led to his two-time National College Player of the Year mm. award. Run the point. Let's get it. Number five. At five. Oh, I like my theme music. Keep playing that up, Yates. I feel you. da 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 Hey, man, first off, if you listen to the sound, we'll get a chance to listen to it during our show. C.J. McCollum, talk about being a politician. My man was asked, have you had any opportunity to talk to Zion Williamson? And he could just automatically tell in his eyes, oh, hell no. Listen to this and tell me what you think. Have you had a chance to talk to Zion about anything? Have you? I heard he was working out or somewhere else in another city. You know, that's the, obviously the missing piece of what you guys are going to do. He's a big part of our future, obviously. You know, we're looking forward to getting him back. I haven't had conversations with him directly. I've spoken to some people close to him and look forward to sitting down uh, with him sooner than later. But I, I don't really uh, – I know I know about as much as you do, right? <laughs> that's, I'm telling you, that's – well, look, he's just a really good player. We're here to compete. That means I have not talked to him at all, and I'm glad that he stayed it that way because he was already going down that lane. But, but, so you say there's a chance of McCullum Law and Associates? <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it's moving in that direction. But, I mean, how crazy is this? You're talking about the face of the New Orleans Pelicans franchise, Zion Williamson, C.J. McCollum, who is the president of the Players Association, the most oh, responsible dude there is, and they haven't even talked yet? Well, Zion's already telling people, I was almost uh, teammates with C.J. McCollum once, but when he got to the Pelicans right before I left, right after I left, he's not there. But I, I think this is, we got to start, looking at the bigger picture here, right? Zion Williamson was the number one overall pick, correct? Yep. The pressure that comes with that. So now in his mind, he hasn't been able to play, had the foot injury, had other little things going on. The pressure is on him. Now he's hearing the chatter about, Mm -hmm. you know, should the Pelicans have drafted John Morant? Now let's talk about John Morant uh, Morant for a minute. Balling out this year. We've seen him with the dunk in the All-Star game. Being mentioned as an MVP candidate. Zion's hearing all this stuff, seeing all these things transpire, right? Yep. Not to mention that he cannot be on the court, so he's gaining that weight. Mm-hmm. Pressure, well, maybe man. Maybe vice versa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a lot to dig into there. Let's go to number four. At four. Man, y'all, I-, I can't. The internet was roasting Jared Allen for his outfit that he had on one night. And and I hear what everybody's saying, but Jared Allen had the best clapback at all time. He's like, what, am I supposed to have a $5,000 chain on? Is that the way that we view money? Y'all out here killing me on my clothes? All right, no, I'll be laughing at all y'all when you look at my bank account. Don't worry about the clothes I wear. Worry about how I'm setting my family up for like legacy. And that's the important thing. I love that he clapped back at that, man. That's just a point I wanted to make. 
we're so aesthetics and it's all about optics and about you looking like you have money that you can flash. And I get it. I love I seeing John Morant do his thing, flash little dollars. It's fine. But I also respect the hell out of Jared Allen because at the end of the day, so what my man has in his bank account that Plus, he looked mad comfortable with that little chill. light sweatshirt. That looks That's comfortable That's nothing wrong with being plain, Jane. Yeah, you man. keep stacking your paper. Let my what man Mar- breathe. What Marshawn said? Count your ducks. Hey, protect your chickens, protect man. Protect your chickens. Protect your chickens. Count your ducks. You know, protect your chickens. Same <laughs> Got thing. It. All right, number three. At three. Some slam dunk contest was black, man. We all know this. I, I want to see names like Zach Levine. I want to see Aaron Gordon. I want to see LeBron James. I want to see Giannis. I want to see the best players, Derrick Jones. Give me the best dunkers in the game. Like I said to you earlier before, you go to the Kentucky Derby to, la- to watch the last race. You don't care about all the preliminary stuff. You're too busy drinking, hanging out. That's what the Saturday night slam dunk contest is. It's the Kentucky Derby, and we need to treat it the way it's deserved. That's number three. Number two. At two. We talked about this. LeBron James wants to be on a team with Bronny. His last hurrah. I said it before. Mark this down. Bronny's going to go first round, guys. He may even go lottery. You're telling me a team like the New York Knicks may not think about taking LeBron James and Bronny Jr. in the draft? That means LeBron James can spend his last year of his career as a New York Knick? Oh, the market is open. Just mark that down. That's going to be the most That'd watched. That would be so Knicks to get LeBron in the last year of his career. <laughs> the 2024 draft, in which a draft that Bronny in regular times may never ever be drafted, may now be the most watched draft in NBA draft history because of this little thing that LeBron James Jr. said. LeBron James said over the weekend. That's number two. Number one. And running point. Man, CP3. Again? Again? I mean, the Suns have the best record in the entire NBA, this is now four times previously in his career. Paul suffered some kind of injury during the playoff series that either has limited him or KO'd him. 2018, we know about the hamstring issue he had with the Houston Rockets. They were up 3-2. Couldn't play a game. Had it happen in game five. Couldn't play in game six. Game seven, they lose. You've seen it happen in 2012. Paul injured his groin. Costly, costly to the Clippers. 2015, hamstring issue. Uh, this L.A. semifinals versus the Rockets. And then in 2016, the first round against the Clippers, I mean, against uh, the Portland Trailblazers, he broke his hand. It just, it feels like there's always something that happens to my man, CP3, right when he had, even last year in the finals, he had that other issue that he came back and he played, but worried about him versus the Lakers in in that opening round. It just, I hate this for him, guys. It feels like we're never going to talk about CP3 winning a championship. His legacy will always be one of the greatest point guards to ever play the game. But it just feels like there's always some kind of injury that comes in his way that stops him and his team from achieving the you know, ultimate level of success. You know, maybe it's because um, I've watched basketball in a different era, but Chris Paul, to me, eyeballs on him, that looks like the perfect point guard. When I think of, like, the platonic ideal of a point guard, right, I think of Chris Paul's game, what doesn't he do that you want a point guard to do? He distributes. He's a clutch player. He can get to the rim. He can get – he can t- – he's he a really good shooter, mid-range, three-point shooter. He can play defense. He can lead. Tough That's as like, hell. So when you think of the greatest point guards ever, I really think LeBron's the greatest point guard ever. Mm-hmm. Then Magic. Then, then uh, Steph, because Steph can shoot just like out of this world. But none of those guys are exactly what you think of. With point guards, LeBron's really a forward. Magic was six foot eight. Steph is really a two guard dressed up as a point guard and a great shooter. 
Chris Paul is really should be in the conversation for best pure point guard ever. But Jay, to your point, because he has missed so much time in the playoffs, he doesn't have the hardware in the play. That Houston team had a game seven at home against the unbeatable Warriors that LeBron wanted no part of. They only lost by single digits, and they missed 27 consecutive threes. You mean to tell me Chris Paul being on that floor might not have resulted in them getting past Houston, and they would have won the finals, getting past Golden State? So the injuries, Jay, it's significant for his legacy. It's really hurting his legacy. Well, I don't think it... It doesn't hurt his legacy. Doesn't help it. I, it doesn't. It doesn't elevate it to maybe one of the greatest point, the greatest point guards ever. But I, the, the stats still speak for themselves, man. I mean, at the end of the day, my man's going to be one of the all-time leaders in assists, like the durability. Yeah. Like, he'll he's still be, be seen a as, a, as a point god, in my opinion. He's going right? to be in a it, like Isaiah Thomas is now that guy, the shorter, pure kind of point guard guy. But he'll be in a group with, and some of them have won championships, some of them haven't. Jason Kidd and Steve Nash and Gary Payton and a whole bunch of great point guards that Chris Paul will be in there with. What I'm saying is, Jay, if he had a chip or two. Oh, I agree with you. If he had a chip or two, he'd be oh, mentioned. Oh, put the icing on the cake. Yeah. He'd put the icing on the cake. But see, I, I think it doesn't elevate it. it does, I, I don't think it hurts it. I think it brings him out of that category and into the, here's the first dude you're going to talk about who's not Magic or Steph. See, first I, dude you're going to talk about. I don't think it, it, it hurts his case. Because Chris Paul is Chris Paul, and he can do a lot of different things on the basketball court. I think he's right now third all-time in assists. But you look at how he controls a team, how he gets everybody in position offensively, how tough he is defensively. You look at a guy like that. Now, I do agree with you if he had a chip on his, on his, on his resume, it just cements a whole lot of other things. You know who the answer to the next best point guard after Magic and Steph is? It's Isaiah because he's got two. Because what distinguishes Isaiah is he was the best player on two championship teams, and he was a great point guard. That's why Isaiah kind of separates from John Stockton and everybody else we've seen. Chris Paul, you you say it doesn't hurt him. I think it does, Jay, because his game is exactly what you think a point guard's game is. But what's the weakness? And I say Isaiah did it in an era where – it was tougher, especially for guys his size. I'm just saying, like, he, Chris Paul, I think the chip separates him out from being lumped in. Uh, now, what being lumped in with all the greatest point guards hey, ever is not a bad is thing. Is John Stockton but. one of the greatest point guards of all time? He, he is, yeah. Okay, John Stockton never won an NBA championship. That's right, and Isaiah's but I, I usually but, ahead but of Stockton because of that. It's inter- see, I don't, uh, and this is probably going to throw people off. I, I, for some reason, with smaller guards like that, yeah. I don't look at them as the same as I would look at as if LeBron or Magic uh, never had a championship. I, I right? understand that. Like, yeah. There's almost some, like, because realistically at 6'1", like, how, like, how dynamic AI never got. Like, it's, but I, AI took the worst team anyone ever saw I, in the final. I'm not, I'm not, and the I'm only not team saying, to beat the Lakers but, that year at all I, but, like, in the playoffs. You're not saying that's going to hurt. Did, did that hurt AI's legacy to you? I you, think if Iverson would have won a chip, he probably would be the next guy spoken of. But see, I already think, but see, for me as a real hooper, I already think AI is. I think AI is one of the most gifted players the game of basketball has ever if seen. AI was and six, I know six, normal people will say, oh, he doesn't have the chance. But like, as somebody who played this game, yeah. you don't need to do that to, have, to own your time in the space of the great set I've ever done this. But I'll bet you if I asked you to list the greatest point guards of all time, AI, because he doesn't have the chip, is not as high as he would be but if AI he had would be one. on my list. CP3 would be on my list. 
No doubt. But where? Listen, sports but like, fans. But they can't compete against a LeBron James. Even, I'm talking even, about in, against other point guards, Jay. Okay. Against other point guards. The fact that Steph got multiple chips elevates him to people. It does. Right? I mean, I, I, I hear you, but sports fans are obsessed with hierarchy. That's the whole point. You put it in order. You play to see who's better and who goes where. So I hear you. It's like there's a whole group of guys you'd love to have any of them. I mean, uh, but Steph, but, can, so Steph can also sh- shoot so, 30 footers like no other. So let's, two, let's, let's go like, through. You know so if you want to have LeBron James in, it's fine. Yeah. LeBron James won? Yeah, but Magic, he's not really considered a point okay. guard. Magic Johnson, too? Yeah. Okay. Big O, Oscar Robinson. I'd put him behind Steph in his day. Jerry West, you got him in there? Somewhere, but I think of more Stephen of Stephen Curry's two. in there? I think, I think West is Stephen two. Curry's in there? Steph is three to me. Okay. Isaiah Thomas? Isaiah's four to me. All right. Then we, Steve Nash? He's somewhere in the group Is with CP3 the others. CP three higher than Steve Nash? I don't know. Jason Kidd. See, I, Kidd Nash, CP three. They're all in there Kidd, somewhere. Kidd's higher. I'll put. I'll mm-hmm. put He's on the Chris verge of being a top Steve five Nash. point guard of all time. That's Who? what I'm trying to tell you. CP three. Uh, that's what I'm saying. But if he got a chip, he's in that top five. To me. But see, I think he already because he already is. Yeah, I think he already is. I just think if he got sure? the chip, he'll be in the top. What? What would you say? I see. I don't know if he's going to be in top two. If we got Magic, three. LeBron. <laughs> It, but most people don't consider LeBron. You could take Steph. LeBron out. For me, it's LeBron. But Steph, it's Magic. Like, I don't. Steph, I, I don't know. CP3 Oscar ever Robertson. Be seen. I don't Isaiah. know. CP3 ever be seen as a better point guard than Steph. Even though their their games are so different. I know it's hard to qualify point guard, but yeah. the way Steph has changed the game. Yeah, I agree. It's with like you. people yeah. wouldn't be able to get by that. So leave right? Steph alone. Yeah, I guess he, he's right there. But but you mentioned Kid Nash Stockton. Gary Payton, you could throw in a whole bunch of guys. Even in this era, James Harden, is he a point guard? Really, he is a point guard. Maybe only Jason Kidd is the only guy I would say. I would say CP3 is five for me. All right. I don't see CP3 getting over those guys. Maybe not, but there are other guys who we may need to get over still to other people. Okay. Chips do matter to me and I think to fans because it indicates you could be the best player, one of two best players on a championship team. You're, You're displaying some kind of greatness especially if you've been on a gang of good teams like CP3 has. And what I'm arguing, Jay, is not that he's not good enough. It's that he's been hurt. This whole thing started with he's had the bad luck of getting hurt at the wrong time. Some big news from college this weekend has nothing to do with Juwan Howard. Mm-hmm. And we, here on Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max, after a spirited Chris Paul discussion, are joined by the great Paul Feinbaum, host of the Paul Feinbaum Show. Of course, what's going on, Paul? Good morning, Mike. I, I didn't think uh, this that, that CP3 conversation would ever end, Max. I'm glad it did, though. <laughs> Shots fired. That, that doesn't sound like a good thing. Take your hand off me. I'm going to take a shot. <laughs> Why isn't um, the college football expansion, playoff expansion, uh, happening now, Paul? Because the people that run the sport, those are essentially the commissioners, uh, are a group of the pettiest, thin-skinned folks I've ever run into. And that's saying something in the world of sports. I mean, they they almost make uh, Rob Manfred look like uh, he's competent running MLB right now. What happened is this, guys. uh, Last June, a a working group, you hear that phrase a lot, uh, came up with a plan for a 12-team playoff. Most everyone signed off on it, even those who were not sure about how it was going to work said, OK, we'll, we'll figure it out. And it, the possibility of it starting in two years was was very real. And then this happened. The SEC raided or invited or, or took uh, refugees from the Big 12, Oklahoma and Texas. And that one moment ended everything. Pettiness began. 
uh, shots started being fired. The whole thing literally came apart. And we are sitting here today without a college football playoff expansion. The next possibility of it is 2026. And some will say, why is that important? We have trouble getting four good teams as it is. True. But uh, it's worth about $450 million a year extra to the, the, the schools that play in college football. That number is going to go up uh, exponentially in the future. And, and we're stuck with the same old, same old, which means the SEC is going to continue winning every year because they are the dominant league. And, and the 12-team playoff was going to bring others into it, like the Pac-12, which has barely been in the playoff, and, and uh, other leagues uh, that continue to miss. Paul, what does this say about the state of college football right now? I think it's pretty sorry, uh, Harry. It, 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 it's, it's, I, I was sitting here a couple of days ago trying to come up with a reaction to the news that broke on Friday afternoon. And, and, and I, was, I was really sad because this is a sport that I love and it has you know, tens of millions of followers across the country, if not more. And it, it's, it's sad that, that a group of people who are all smart, who are all supposedly well-meaning, uh, a group of academicians and commissioners, can't sit in the room. They spent three days in Indianapolis six weeks ago trying to figure this thing out, and they can't do it because they all have their own fiefdoms, they have their own leagues they're representing, and, and they just can't, uh, they can't come to an agreement. And a lot of it has to do with the Rose Bowl. Uh, you always hear the, you know, the, the, the Rose Bowl at 4 o'clock on, on New Year's Day and the broadcasters talking about the, the sun setting over the San Gabriel Mountains. That <laughs> means something to the people of the, of the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. I've been there. It's a, it's a nice event. I've been to, I've been to better. Uh, but the point being, they won't come off of that. They will not move that game for the betterment of college football and as a result, you know, we, we get stuck in this conversation. And the 12-team 12, uh, the 12 playoff wasn't going to guarantee excitement, but it was going to be similar to the NFL playoffs, where there's competition to get in. There's competition uh, to have a wild, to, to, to be in the wild card, to have a bye, to have home field. That's all gone. We have the same boring playoff that we've had uh, since 2014. And it's interesting that the audience ha has not grown. Uh, the first year, it was way up here. It's gone down almost every year. This year, it bounced back a little bit. And, yeah, we've had two Alabama-Georgia games in the last four years. Does the country really want that? No. Uh, and when you have a playoff, you, you open the door, as we just got through watching with the Super Bowl, for upsets, for exciting games. Now we're stuck with uh, the same boring tournament for the next three to four years. And then we have no earthly idea. The SEC commissioner, Greg Sankey, who, who, was, who was on this committee that came up with the plan, said Friday afternoon, I'm not sure we're going to go along with anything at this point, meaning maybe we'll take our ball and go somewhere else. And I, as some have suggested, maybe the SEC, I, I'm not suggesting this, but some have, maybe the SEC just ought to have its own tournament every year. Wow. That's an incredible point because in my mind, business-wise, business -wise, Paul, I'm thinking about, okay, like if that 12-year deal that we have, you know, was reported around $470-plus million for the college football playoff, like what would make them not expand that because you're only going to open up the pocketbook even more so, right, understanding where TV rights are going. But now you bring it up that point, that it makes me start to think about conferences breaking off to doing their own thing potentially, mm -hmm. correct? How would that happen? Bob? Yes, Jay. It, it, 
Well, first of all, it's also it's also killed the easiest line we always have, where these guys are only in it for the money. They've proven here that they are leaving uh, a half a billion dollars on the table for the next couple of years. That that money would spend very well in in some le in the smaller leagues uh, that really need this extra income. And, and this year we had Cincinnati get in. I, I I don't think it would happen, but I think it's a threat. And in this world that we live in, where superpowers are threatening each other every day, uh, I think the SEC uh, has gone from we're willing to to help everyone else, uh, which really was. I mean, the, the SEC has proven they do not need to expand. Uh, they've had uh, they've had a school in the in the in the playoff every single year. And uh, since 2014, twice they've had uh, they've had the, the national championship game be an all conference deal. So now the SEC, uh, I think, is, has got to figure out how much do we want to help everyone else? And, and I, I wouldn't want to help anyone right now, considering that uh, Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, was part of this and really has been shot at uh, by the by the other commissioners. Now, what's this really all about? This is about the Big Ten, the ACC and the Pac-12 forming an alliance to try to stop it. Now, for what reason? I don't know. The Pac-12 is barely in existence anymore in a term, from, a, from a relevant standpoint. The ACC has done pretty well, uh, although not this year. And, and the Big Ten manages to show up pretty much every year. Had the ACC, Jay, Will, had a 12-team playoff this year, they would have gotten uh, probably, perhaps Pittsburgh uh, in the party uh, because Clemson had a slightly off year. But instead, uh, they were left at home. Paul Feinbaum, host of the eponymous Paul Feinbaum Show. <laughs> That's right. Today, 3 p.m. Eastern, by the way, on SEC Network and ESPN app. Paul, thank you as always. A pleasure, guys. Thank you. All right, Paulie. We always great stuff from Paul. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. From drama in one college sport to drama in another. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Keyshawn, J. Willemax, Harry Douglas in for Key today. ESPN Radio. Michigan men's basketball coach Jawan Howard took a swipe at a Wisconsin assistant coach. It was Joe Krabenhoff. 
took a swipe at his face in the post-game handshake line between the two teams, setting off a brawl involving coaches and players from both sides. Wisconsin head coach Greg Gard stopped Howard in the handshake line, leading to the two men exchanging words before being surrounded by a few players and coaches. Howard put his finger... Well, what happened was Gard grabbed Howard by the arm as Howard was trying to pass him. We're going to get into why in a second. But he grabbed him by the arm. And then Howard was trying to kind of shake, put his hand on Guard's chest, like, get off me. And then Howard put his finger in Guard's face, grabbed his sweater before Krabenhoft came over in the middle of the scrum. Howard then reached out and struck Krabenhoft's face. Jay, what do you see as from, you know, in terms of the repercussions? First, do you want to get into it all, what led to that? And then tell me what you see for the repercussions. Yeah, I mean, the, the timeout, I thought, look, it, it, it's great cover for Greg Guard. Because in a court of law, he can always rely upon that. Meaning, let's set it up. Greg Gard called a timeout with, what, 10 or 12? 14, like 13, four, 14 seconds left up, in the game, up by 14, 15 up, points. So, there, so, like, he calls a timeout. Yeah, so he, but one could use the argument, well, your kids are pressing, so they're playing hard until the end of the game. How come I can't coach my kids hard until the end of the game? Which, fine. But in, in real basketball, life, man, Get the hell out of here. So, in other words, like, it's, it's plausible it's like, deniability, but yes. the real reason is to show Juwan Howard up. Yes. Right. Well, that, that, it's like, hey, if you're being competitive, fine. But it's within the games. Uh, the, the bigger point, because I know there's a lot to get to here that I had yesterday, is I'm watching it, and I'll give you guys a little insight about how it is sometimes to be a black male when you make a judgment like this, right, through the social media uh, frame of mind. So, without regarding race or anything, right, Harry? Yep. I watch it, and I say – Here's my tweet. This is not going to be good for Juwan Howard. Not good at all, right? Because he struck another man, regardless of how we got there or not. Regardless of who was in wrong or who was right, he crossed the line. He struck somebody, knowing that this is essentially his second offense because he got ejected last year with Mark Turgeon, that situation. And the amount of responses I got, without even saying what the repercussions were, I think take, take time to think about what I thought they should be. People start hitting me with, well, of course you're going to defend the black guy in this situation. I'm like, wow, I'd even defend a black guy. What? Whoa. Or the other way where it was like, hey, uh, you know, he needs to be fired. And what if a white guy had done that? I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, how how was all this coming? I'm just looking at what's right or wrong. But it just started getting pushed in this corner about race and conversation. I'm like, that's not even how I'm looking at it right now. But it made me start thinking about, Ward Manuel, the athletic director, about the position that then it puts him in as a black athletic director. Mm. Now what do I do? I have this famous alumni, this player that's played here for so long. We brought him back in. He had a skirmish last year. We didn't suspend him. And now there's one happening. What do I do? How do I handle Black athletic director, black head coach. Constantly having to make the like somehow race represent yes. instead of just do just do his job. Yes, and yeah. people within the black community will look at it that way and say, All right, "How are you going to treat one of your own? How are you going to treat a famous Here's alumni from your school that has helped you guys achieve so much? How are you going to treat him who, in this? Who moment? is who is Michigan? Who is yeah. Michigan? Do you want me to read Ward Manuel's statement? Yes. Here's here's University of Michigan AD Ward Manuel after the game. 
I'm aware of and watched the end of our men's basketball game. There's no excuse for any of our staff or student-athletes to get into a physical altercation with others, regardless of instigating factors. I reached out and apologized to Chris McIntosh and President Coleman, has reached out to UW Chancellor Blank to apologize for the totally unacceptable behavior. We will review the situation more thoroughly and work with the Big Ten Conference as they determine their disciplinary actions and will determine if further disciplinary actions are warranted. So they, as in the Big Ten, not taking any responsibility internally. It goes to show you right there the sensitivity around it, right? I'm going to deflect. You know, we'll investigate in collaboration with the Big Ten, and they ultimately will determine what the repercussion for Juwan Howard is. I mean, that's a huge sensitivity that I feel like, Harry, is just easy for us to pick up on because that's, yeah. a, that's a big thing. And he – and basically, in so many words, he, don't want to, he doesn't want to be put in a situation – to get the backlash from people of color if he decides to let go of Jawan Howard or any disciplinary, disciplinary action that he may uh, proceed with with Jawan Howard. Now, I will say this. Do I feel like Jawan Howard should lose his job? No, I don't, because we've seen worse. We've seen worse, and it doesn't excuse what he did. And I'm going to continue to say this because I thought it was immature. I thought it was immature on so many different levels because at the same time, Jawan Howard has to understand who he is, what he means to that program. Complete lack of awareness. And where yes. he is. All three and of those things. The fact that he's a role model. Yes. Uh, although he may say, hey, yeah, I'm a role model, and if you put your hands on me and I tell you not to, guess what? We're fighting. But he, he listen, I think he crossed the line. I think he has to miss minimum. The conversation begins with you're missing the rest of the regular season. That's where the conversation begins. Then I agree he shouldn't lose his job. But then you have to think of, you know, what else after that. But, Jay, your point is very interesting to me. The kind of number of calculations that have to be made by Ward Manuel now that go beyond simply the incident in a vacuum, mm-hmm. right? What he, how he has to feel he has to represent – Along racial lines, it, it adds a dimension to it that I think maybe some people don't appreciate. And, and I agree with Harry, too. Like, there are a lot of other things with coaches and DUIs that have happened throughout college basketball that people have kind of, you know, looked the other way to. Like, I, I think he should be suspended for the rest of the season, maybe for the Big Ten tournament. Um, I don't think he should lose his job. But there, the thing that's troubling more so than whether he loses his job or not is just the lack of awareness for Jawan Howard. Like, you are the head coach of Michigan, and I get that somebody put his hands on you. I understand that. But backing away from it, you striking another man on another team has then opened Pandora's box yeah. for your team to get involved yeah. in a fist fight. This one ain't right? that hard, that's Juwan. that's not the look for Michigan that you want. Right, this one ain't that hard. As a black head coach. Coach, just don't put your hands on people, coach. <laughs> and I'm not talking and about guard grabbing like, his arm. Yes. I'm talking about... You could grab someone's arm. You can't swing at him. For me, no it's, swinging. It's simple Coach. right or wrong. It's yeah. right or that's wrong. It's Tune wrong. in tonight for college basketball action. Oklahoma State hosts Baylor. Coverage begins at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Much more coming up. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast.